Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Joe Polizzi. Joe, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Uh, such an honor to have you on the show, my friend. And for audience, you know, you're going to be really pumped to learn more from Joe here. Joe is a authority on, on content. So it's going to be really, really amazing. I'm looking forward to speaking in more detail with you, Joe. So just to begin, I would like to kind of allow you to speak and kind of introduce yourself and give us a picture of, of all the wonderful things that you do. Sure, happy to. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it short. Uh, <laughs> so basically, I started in publishing 20 years ago and was lucky enough to fall in this area called content marketing. It wasn't called content marketing at the time. We sort of tried to rename the industry from custom publishing to content marketing, which is basically instead of interrupting your customers with information they don't want, like advertising, how do you create valuable, relevant, and compelling information, tell some wonderful stories, find a platform, build an audience, and then monetize that audience. Uh, started the company Content Marketing Institute, 2007, really renamed it to that point in 2010. Uh, then 2011, we launched Content Marketing World, which is still today the largest in-person event for content marketing. In 2015, before my wife and I sold the business in 2016, we had 4,000 attendees from, I think it was over 50 countries at the time, all coming to Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland's my wow. hometown. And uh, so we had a successful exit in 2016. Uh, I took a sabbatical year at 18, uh, decided to write a novel in 2019 called The Will to Die, just to try something new. And then COVID-19 came around. And for some wild reason, I decided to start another business. So the new business is called The Tilt. And instead of the old business, we targeted uh, enterprise marketers. So marketers that worked at you know, IBM and Amazon and tried to teach them complex you know, content solutions. Now with the tilt, we're targeting content creators. So solopreneurs, people that are trying to build their business on YouTube, on TikTok, on with a blog, with an email newsletter and help them figure out the business model for success, kind of like we did at, at Content Marketing Institute. And then along the way, I've written seven books. Uh, the most recent one is Content Inc., which kind of goes through the whole process of how you start a business with nothing. You build an audience first. And then once you build a loyal audience, then you can monetize that audience up to eight plus different ways. And, and that's the that's the business model. So here I am just that's awesome. trying trying to <laughs> trying to help as many people creating content uh, to, oh, to figure out that there is a business model. That's great because, you know, content is on every entrepreneur, self-employed professionals mind, you know, and it's it's. Um, and there's so much information out there and there's different suggestions, recommendations with your backing and your, your experience that you have um, in your career. What would you, as a top five suggestions on growing an audience for a solopreneur, for example? Sure. Uh, so, the, I think the most important thing is you, you have to figure out what we call a content tilt. What is your differentiation area? What is your hook? How do you cut through all the clutter? Where a lot of uh, content creators get into problems is they start creating content that's, that's just like everybody else out there. So if you're going to create a blog on, con, on, let's say, cloud computing 
wow, you've got a lot of competition in that area. So how are you going to figure, figure out is, are you going to talk to a, a very niche audience and really get that down to a narrow area? Are you going to go on a new platform and that's your shtick? Are you, do you have a sense of humor? You know, what do you bring to the table? That's amazing and interesting. The other area that uh, entrepreneurs get into trouble with this is they want to be on all the platforms. It's like, Oh my gosh, I've got to be on TikTok and I got to be on Twitter and, and LinkedIn. I got to do all the things. Well, no, you don't. That is a recipe for disaster. Actually, what you want to do is choose. So yeah. where's your home base? We call this building the base. Where are you going to set up camp and tell your stories on a regular basis? So what we see is somebody picks a blog. Somebody picks an email newsletter. Somebody says their home is on TikTok. Somebody is on YouTube. Somebody's on Twitch. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't use and leverage other social platforms, but it means your home is one place. So mm -hmm. why is Joe Rogan successful? Because he focused on having a one, an amazing podcast. Why did Gwyneth Paltrow uh, create Goop? And why was that so uh, successful for her? Because they basically just focused on creating an amazing blog. Then you branch out and diversify later. So that's the second thing. And I think the third thing is the most important thing, more than as much content as you put out, it's consistency. And a mm. lot of people forget that. It's like you have to figure out what is your time slot. Are you creating, a, let's say it's a YouTube channel. Are you producing a, a YouTube like every Thursday at 10 o'clock a.m. and that's your spot? And instead of what a lot of creators do is like, oh, we're going to upload on Monday and then maybe on Thursday and then I'm going to skip a couple of days and then do Wednesday. It's like, no, 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 that that's a losing proposition that doesn't work. Look at what the great content entrepreneurs are doing. They're very consistent with their schedule, just like the old days when you, we used to get newspapers at the front door that you, you used to get at the same time every day. And when you didn't, you're very disappointed. So that content is your promise to your customers. So you want to make sure you uphold that promise and deliver consistently. So those are kind of three areas, um, just kind of some research to know about. It takes generally about nine months for a content creator to go from, from uh, actually make to nine months to actually make a first dollar. So it's not like you get rich is not get rich quick. This is a uh -huh. marathon, not a sprint. It takes about 18 months until we see content entrepreneurs like hiring and outsourcing different parts of the business and about 26 months until they get to a point where they're financially sustainable. So which is not so bad for an entrepreneur. So uh -huh. you basically just prepare for lean times, cut your expenses down when you need to get it. Uh, for, for us personally, when we started Content Marketing Institute, it took us 22 months to get to the point where we felt successful with the business. And then of course, uh, in about six years later, we had a, a very successful exit. So you can see from the 22 months on, if you do this right, you can see hockey stick type growth and get to a point where you can get that multi-million dollar valuation that you want. So will this be like a, a personal question and you don't have to answer it, but what range was that exit in? Because I saw that smile on your face. So I, you know, I'm, a lot of people will love to hear this. <laughs> no, I'm actually happy to share because in my book, Content Inc., I put all the numbers out there. So, oh, good. so just to give you an idea, I'll talk about the revenue and the way it works. So we started on a blog. Uh, so we basically delivered a blog post five days a week at Content Marketing Institute. So it took us about 22 months to get to what we call a minimum viable audience. In 2010, I believe we had a little bit, about, let's say four or $500,000 in revenue. We got to that point. So we're like looking pretty good. By 2015, we had just shy of $10 million in revenue. 
at, at about a 23, 24% net profit margin. So we were, we were taking home a couple million dollars. Nice. And then in 2016, we sold the business uh, for $17.9 million. And then with, with bonuses and everything else that happened, because there was an earn out and all that kind of stuff. So it was a little less overall than, than about $30 million. A little bit less than that, but we were close to hitting that number. So, well, so yeah, it was very, very successful. Yeah, very, it worked very well. So yeah. we had multiple different revenue opportunities. So this is really good for content entrepreneurs to think about. So generally, a content entrepreneur will start with sponsorship advertising. So did we find some good sponsors. Then we launched some uh, online training. We actually had a magazine, print magazine, believe it or not, that we sold advertising in. And then we launched our big event, Content Marketing World. That event ended up being a $6, $6 million event all by itself. Beautiful. And then when you look at selling an entity like a, an event, generally a large event like that gets between eight and 10 times earnings. So that's where you get the multiple. So let's say if you're if you're making $2 million off of that event, you should be able to get, you know, if it's a regular annual event, you should be able to get 15, 16, $17 million for that kind of an event. So that's why I love the event business. And I'm very excited about if anybody listening to this, if you're thinking about getting into in-person events, now's a really good time because 2022 and 2023 are going to be amazing for events. Uh, once we sort of get through the, the unknown of, of COVID-19. Uh-huh. It's a great opportunity right now. What's the what's the best way uh, that you recommend to get sponsors? So if someone has a podcast, how is how is the best way for them to attract uh, sponsorship? So there's a couple different ways to do it. First of all, I as much as we want to get revenue as soon as possible, I like to tell, let's say in this case, a podcaster to wait as long as they can to get to a, a larger number that you can sell to somebody. So let's say that you just started and you're at, um, you know, 500 downloads an episode and you're like, fantastic, but you really, it's very hard to, to get substantial dollars for something like that. So let's say you waited until you got 5,000 downloads an episode. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, that's, that's fantastic. It's very simple. You need to make a list of, know your audience so who who's your audience let's say you're targeting mechanical engineers that uh work at companies of a thousand employees or more and you're a business to business podcast great so you're like oh, i get to five thousand downloads well who who are the companies that are trying to reach those people are they other software companies are they manufacturing component companies so you should know because you know the industry better than anyone else because mm -hmm. you know the audience better mm -hmm. than anyone else what those companies are. So you make the list of those companies and you should all along while you're building your business, you should have partnership plans in motion to reach out to those companies and figure out how you can help them. You know, don't ask for money at first, get involved with them, know those people who are in charge of those marketing programs. Say, hey, can we work on a research project together? Hey, can I, uh, do you have any information that I should be sharing with my audience? Build that relationship first. And if you do that, then the paid opportunities will happen. So when we started Content Marketing Institute, I had a list of about 40 different companies that mm -hmm. we wanted to work with that we knew in the future, if we did what we needed to do, would be would pay us money for things. Uh -huh. But at first, we just wanted to build a relationship. So I literally just went out, found their email address, reached out, said, here's who I am. If I can be of help to you in any way, I've got, oh, no, I've got a regular blog. This is what we're trying to do. Not all of those people reached back, but about half of them did. 
I built very good relationships with those companies. And then about half of those people ended up sponsoring us in the, over the next five years or so. That's excellent. Excellent advice. Thank you, Joe, for sharing that. You got it. Sure. Yeah. And for this new company that you have, right? How, how do you service or serve entrepreneurs, for example? Like if someone approached you today, how do you help them? Well, it depends on where they're at in the process. So if they're, you know, there's multiple stages and for the, our model methodology is called the content ink model. You know, are you starting? If you're starting, we try to find out what's your sweet spot. What are you good at? Who's your audience? Let's figure out the right audience niche for you. What is that content tilt? What's that area of differentiation that you can cut through the clutter? Or you may be at a point where, hey, I built an audience. I've got my base. I've got to figure out diversification. Mm -hmm. So does that mean do I organically grow into diversification, which means do I take my podcast and then say build a YouTube channel or do I do a live event like we talked about before and the, or might be monetization. It's like, Joe, hey, I really get the sponsorship thing, but I don't understand how to create an online training course or something like that. So basically, we right now at the tilt, we just started in April. We have an e-newsletter that goes out twice a week. It's a very lengthy email. But what we do is we have one learning at the top Here's the learning of the week. So I, you know, last issue, I talked about how uh, content entrepreneurs can use creator coins or social tokens. How can they, hey, they can launch their own crypto, the business case for that, why you should look into it in the future, all those types of things. So we'll teach one thing and then we'll go through all the like creator economy news. So what's YouTube doing? Should you take advantage of that? What's this software doing? Some of these new deals. We talk a lot about M&A as well, like, uh, Maybe you're a small creator, a mid-sized creator, and you want to buy another podcaster. Uh -huh. So those things are starting to happen right now. Oh, so, really? Uh, yeah. So I didn't so hear that. No, so there, it's, um, it is, I would say what you're going to see in the next 12 to 18 months is you're going to see a lot of acquisitions in the content creator space. Some of them will be small creators buying or partnering with another small creator, or some of them are going to be large deals like marketing automation company HubSpot recently purchased The Hustle. Um, online newsletter, uh, that, that was a $27 million deal or something like that. And uh, the hustles 1.5 million circulation. So, you know, that's the kind of deals we're going to start seeing because a large company, it's very difficult for them to build an audience like this. They have so many things going on. It's very hard to focus on one niche, but they have funds. They have a lot, they have so much money, as you know, it's, it's ridiculous how much money these big companies have. They'll say, oh, I like that podcast. I like that e-newsletter. What about that YouTuber? And what they're doing is they're starting to pick these creators off. And instead of what they used to do is just partner or sponsor. Now they're going out and actually purchasing them. Mm. So at the tilt, we're educating on all those things. Nice. Uh, we've got a really wonderful Discord community. We're launching online training in December. And we're trying to be that resource for content creators to figure out not just how to build an audience or, or drive one or two revenue sources, how they can be financially successful over a long period of time to get to whatever exit that is. Is that a lifestyle business for you, which is wonderful if you want to just keep going forever and make whatever you make, or do you want to have an exit like my wife and I did? Beautiful. It's amazing. And for you, are, are your services a mix of done for you and education, or is it purely education? Um, it's, it's education and news. So there's two parts of it. One is okay. if you're a content creator, well, so we were trying to figure out, okay, what, what problems do 
content creators or content entrepreneurs have right now. The first thing is, how do I keep up with what the heck is going on with all the new technology and all the new deals? Mm-hmm. So what we do is we scour, I don't know, probably a hundred different sources every day to figure out here's the 10 things that you need to know. And we put them in the little blurbs. So, and we say, okay, why should you care? So that we do that two times a week. So you can, you, cause I don't, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's a little bit difficult to keep up with all the news that's going on oh, today. Yeah. And so, so we've got a wonderful team of people that that's Great. all they do. And then we've got an, we've got a whole community that they're in the different parts. So what's in, what's different about ours and, community than other ones is a lot of um, we're not just we've got some that are on YouTube. We got some that are using TikTok. We got some that are podcasters, some that are email newsletters, some that are authors, but they're not all on one platform. And what we're trying to do is figure out, okay, what's the basic business model for working this? Uh And then we'll take one topic in each newsletter and try to break it down and figure out, okay, here's how you use this thing. Do I, I don't know honestly where it's going to go because we're following the model that we promote to our, uh, to our audience and say you, the first nine to 12 months, you're just in minimum viable audience mode. You should just be building an audience. You shouldn't Mm. be so worried. Like that's, these are the lean times. These are, these Mm. are the times when all you're doing, your head's down building an audience. And then you get to that nine, 12 month area, you get to your minimum viable audience number. And then you start saying, okay, I've got my base. Like our base is an email newsletter. What's our social media platforms we use. We use Twitter and LinkedIn majority for the most part, because you can't be great at everything. You can't be remarkable on every channel. So pick your spots that you can do. Mm -hmm. The reason we chose an email newsletter. So this is important for everyone listening. So a lot of listeners probably say, oh, I'm going to build on Facebook group. I'm going to build on Instagram. I'm going to build on TikTok, which is fine. But you got to remember at the end of the day, that's not your audience. You have to bring them. That's Mm -hmm. their audience. You are renting. You are leasing space. So what you're doing is if you think about it, let's say that you release an apartment and you fix up that apartment and you put a million dollars into it. Well, who does that help? That helps the owner of the apartment. Doesn't help mm, you. It helps yeah. you temporarily because you build a really nice place. But at the end of the day, if you resell it, that's not yours. That's Facebook's. That's Instagram's. So that's what we've been doing as content creators is building these platforms. We chose to go with an email newsletter, first party data, because we can control that a little yes. bit more. I now have the permission to communicate with the audience on a regular basis. So our recommendation is always to say, okay, if you're building on another, another platform, that's fine. Maybe it makes sense for you to start on Instagram. So start on Instagram and then you want to figure out your rent to own strategy. So figure out how to move that audience over to an email newsletter, your, your, exactly your blog. Maybe it's an online membership site that you can control something like that, where you get access to their first party data, their email address, because I mean, I, I don't know if you remember the days when Google Plus shut down, but at the time I was in the corporate environment. So we were working with a lot of, you know, billion dollar tech companies that had some million, you know, they had a million plus members on different Google Plus groups. One day they're going great. They've got a million people on that channel. It's working. It's a vibrant community. And the next day, Google says we're shutting Google Plus down. And there were tears shed. Because they spent so much time and energy building up those communities. And then Google just says, nope, we're done. Well, you have Facebook, right? Yes, exactly. 
it's happening. It, it'll happen everywhere. Right. And, or, mm. or something like Twitter can just kick you off their platform. Yeah. YouTube happens. It's happening a lot with YouTube because YouTube's mm. really tightening down what they allow you to say and what they don't, which by the way, is totally fine because they're a comp- private company. Yeah. They can do whatever they want, but we don't have to play by those rules. So I just, that's the, my biggest concern of what's going on with the creator economy right now is the fact that I don't think enough creators understand that those big centralized tech companies don't care about you individually and they will do anything to make more money. And sometimes you'll get lost and there you go. You've, you've been building something up for a long time and then it's gone. So if you're listening to this and you built on other platforms, that's fine. That's great. Good job. Figure out a way to get that to a point where you create some wonderful email experience or some membership experience where you can get that email address. Yeah. And, you know, another thing is that a lot of people hear this and actually implement this strategy, but they basically just don't want to reinvent the wheel. right? So they see whatever the top people are doing, they just mimic that. Right. Which is, which is okay. Just, you know, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. You want to see who's doing something great and then try to, you know, do something unique in that area. But the problem is that they are also without people realizing, but they're building their email list right in the back. end. So building that database of your own is so crucial because like you said, you never know with these platforms. Well, that's a really good point because if you go in and you look at the Mr. Beasts of the world or the Matt Pats of the world or these wonderful YouTubers that have built this experience, they they've come to that same moment where they're like, Oh my goodness. I'm they wake up. And they're like, oh, my God, I've gotten two million, two million followers on YouTube, but I have nothing yeah. in the business that's an asset. Yeah. And they get scared and then they start mm-hmm. moving. So if you look at those business models, after two or three years, they start working a plan where they've got an amazing email um, newsletter. Actually, I'll give you a really good example. My friend Wally Koval started a, a site called Accidentally Wes Anderson. So basically every day he puts a picture on Instagram that looks like it came out of a Wes Anderson movie. And he's got over a million followers on Instagram now. And he came to that same moment. And now he's got a, his e-newsletter now has, I think, 50 or 60,000 subscribers to it. So he's in the process of doing that, building out his entire media portfolio, because all this, all we're talking about here is media 101. But a lot of people don't realize that. So now he's got his Instagram following. That's great. He's got his email newsletter. He's starting, he's got the blog. He's in diversification mode. He's starting a blog. He's starting other products and services. So that's kind of where you go. So there is steps. First, build that base, heads down, whatever that platform is. Then you get to a point where you want to build that audience. And that starts with that email property. And yeah, to your point, Mm -hmm. look at what the great ones are doing. They're all doing it. It's just, we don't realize it because we may only follow them on TikTok or or Facebook group or whatever the case is. Yeah. And newsletter, do you feel uh, people still read? I haven't done any research on this, but are people signing up for newsletters with having access on your fingertips to just Google things. It's so funny. So we've done a lot of research on this because yeah. I've got probably more than anything else. I get pushback on this because they're like, Joe, this is you know social media, yeah. web three. Are you kidding me? Are we going to go back into the dinosaur? Back, yeah, exactly. email? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Which email is a very old technology, but this mm. is so I, I always ask this personally and I'll ask this to you. It's like, so you get just like me, you get tons of spam email, right? Yes. But it, Aren't there, don't you have two, one or two emails 
that you open all the time that are really important for you? Always. Always. Yeah. And so, I even so, I even I even sign up for things. But but yeah. I, I say I don't want it, but I I, I, I get so, I cherry pick the good ones. So that's the thing. I'm so so and I'm the same way. I've got I've got three or four emails every day that I open that are important to me. And what we found out is that because and then so there's first of all, is this our goal as a as a creator is not to be part of the spam. Your email yeah. needs to be so important that you become one of those two, three, four most important things that they go and, and open every day. And the other thing I'll get is, oh, Gen Z, millennials, they don't, they don't open email, whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, millennials do. If you look at the, the uh, research, they open email just as much as Gen Z or boomers or whatever, or uh, uh, Gen X or boomers or whatever the case is. So that, that's the first thing. The, the second thing is, what are what's the the glue that holds social media to get together? The glue is email. What does every social media platform ask for when you start up? Your email address. E email binds everything together. It's the primary key of the database of social media right now. So I think a lot of people forget that. So that's mm -hmm. where we have to figure out. And, and is that or does that mean you have to have an amazing, remarkable email newsletter? Maybe. But it might be an online group. It might be something that's linked with your Discord channel, your Discord server. There's a lot of different things that you do, but you have to create some kind of one-to-one -one experience where you can access that. So, so you, you don't have that middle layer of the social media platform in the middle. Mm -hmm. And between email and text message, what, what are your thoughts? Because text message platforms are coming out, right? Left, yeah, right, it's interesting. So we're, mm. that's a MS, SMS is really mm. interesting on how that's going. What we've seen success with SMS is during a short period of time. So if you go to Disney World, you sign up for their updates while you're there and people will absolutely sign up. They absolutely open. They don't look at it as interruption. And, and they say, that's a great technology. Now, outside of that, now we're starting to get into some experimentation where you're a content creator and will it's a very personal technology, right? Getting a text, yeah. getting an SMS, it's very personal. So you have to make sure that this is really a welcome message. I've seen people do it really well where you're starting yeah. to see, yes, there's a possibility they want to get that information. So I know one of my friends is signed up to an SMS of, of a local journalist because he wants all the local news that's going on in his community and he wants to get that every day and he gets it through SMS. That's great. Makes sense. Welcome, personal. A lot of people don't want to get that because that's the way they don't want that kind of a business relationship there through SMS. So we're uh -huh. looking into it. I don't know what the future is. I think it might be useful. I, I like it for short periods of time where you turn it on and turn it off. I don't know about ongoing, how open people are going to be to, to mm -hmm. doing something like that. Maybe WhatsApp is better for that instead of your you know, personal text, uh, maybe you know, Facebook Messenger, whatever the case is. We don't know yet, but it's still an experimentation mode. Mm -hmm. That was a good point. Uh, text message is based on, on a person's mood at the time as well when he gets a message, right? It could be, you know, they're cool with someone getting messages, they're reading it. You know, and at one time they get a message and it's just the wrong time. Oh, I don't need this interruption because a text message is really, um, it basically comes in between whatever a person is doing, right? It's very intimate, like you said, very personal. Um, I found that I signed up for text message once, but when it was just, when it came a couple of times, I did opt out of it. 
um, and emails can continue to come. I just, I don't, until I get really, really a lot of them, then I start, you know, unsubscribing. But other than that, I can understand what you mean by that point of, of text message being personal and interruptive in, in, some, in some ways. Um, yeah, who knows what's going to happen in the future? Like now WhatsApp is bought by Facebook, right? Um, and their privacy situation. Oh, I wanted to ask you about, about the privacy. A lot of people... You know, with the new email technology, they have a lot of um, spam or or ways to kind of move emails away from their index, even if they sign up. I know there's ways to ask them to reply back to make sure it doesn't go in those folders. Any sure. suggestions for that? Yeah, yes, absolutely. It's a great, it's a great point. So, and, and of course, with the GDRP law, GDPR yeah. laws in Europe, and then what's happening in the United States. Uh, You've got to make sure you've got double opt-in. So double opt-in for those people that don't know, basically if I go to a site and I sign up, that doesn't, I'm, if I just sign up and click submit with my email, that doesn't count. What I, that then sends you an email and you have to click and confirm. So that's your double opt-in. Yes. And if you're not doing double opt-in and you have an email newsletter, you've got problems in the future because you you will not uh, be in the requirements of a lot of email pr providers then. And oh. so down the road, that's where we're going. That's where every country's going. Make sure you, you have double opt-in. So what happens is this is what you do. So you do the double opt-in, somebody clicks through, and then that welcome email needs to have information to say, hey, please whitelist me. Make sure mm -hmm. that you go into your email settings, Gmail, whatever, and say that this is email is going to be coming from whatever joe at the tilt.com make sure that you go ahead and whitelist me on a regular basis or it could be reply but i like the whole idea of looking at whitelisting if you do that and you sort of tell your uh whatever your outlook or email that you use that this address is okay you will get through so you have to do that and educate in your welcome email and again if people want to receive it they generally do it if i really really want to get this if they don't want to get it then you're not, it doesn't matter anyways. They're not going to open your email, whatever, forget about it. Mm -hmm. So we work really hard at the tilt to make sure that we give them a welcome letter. Welcome. Here's what, here's what this thing is all about. Thanks for signing up. Make sure you whitelist us here. It's coming through this email address so that we can make sure we deliver. And we've had, I mean, the opt-in stuff with Apple is interesting, right? Because Apple keeps changing their privacy where they're not necessarily counting open rate anymore. So mm -hmm. as an email newsletter provider, maybe you're looking less at open rate, which, you know, if we, you know, we'd love to hit 40% would be an amazing open rate. Even 20% is generally industry standard, but now you're going to click through rate as sort of that's the measure because you can measure a click, but you can't necessarily measure an open anymore because Apple's doesn't really let you do that as much anymore. So, and since everyone's opening them with their iPhones, you know, Apple and Apple can do what they want to do. So again, you know, we're, we've got all these uh, gatekeepers in our way and uh, it's great technology, but it also, it's tough for a content creator. Yeah. So the other point that you mentioned about the open rate, um, I'm at 29.3, something like that. So I was like, shit, that's such a horrible rate. No, so that's great. Is it good or is it good? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So, so just to give you an idea. So I've, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years. So that yeah. if you just, if you look at just a regular 
uh, company. If you look at Microsoft and Microsoft sends an email out to their audience, if they get three to 5% open rate, they are thrilled. Oh, really? So that, so that's that, that's just for like a regular open a windows mm. update email, yeah. whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. So let's go to like a, um, a business company that sends out an email newsletter to their customers. And it's a regular email newsletter, generally mm-hmm. 17, 15 to 17% open rate. That's your industry standard. Okay. So anyone listening to this, if this you're less I mean, information, it, yeah. so, so it's the, now the issue is, is that I don't know how to measure this anymore because our open rates are all over the board. Like we had an open rate the other day of 39% and the next one was 17%. Is it that big of a deal? No, that we don't, we're not getting the right numbers from Apple. So I can't, mm. I can't look at those with any confidence anymore. So what I'm, what I would like everyone to do is, Focus on one or two things that you really think that people will click on your email newsletter because that you can you can measure on a regular basis and click through rate will be the measurement of email going forward from now on instead of open rate. What did so you, that's what just did where you, we're at. I missed that point. What did you what did you mention about the email that when you send it, are you talking about like the title? To make sure it's it's the hook. No, no, no. Well, of course, the subject line is the most subject important line. thing yes. for somebody opening it. So, okay, mm-hmm. so let's say I send you an email, uh, and you open it up. Mm-hmm. Inside the email, mm-hmm. I want you to click on some article, some link, some offer, so that I can measure that you are actually yes. in that email newsletter because app, because it. of what Apple's doing and the other mm-hmm. uh, the the other uh, e- email companies, they won't let you measure open rate like you used to. So, uh, but I can measure click because that's under my that's yes. clicking them to my site. I can yes. always measure that. So that's what. So I want to put something that I know that you will open, or I'm going to say this is the one article of the week that you must read. Something like that. So yes. when you go ahead and click through. That's why, by the way, in every email newsletter, you don't want to just repurpose information. You actually want to have something original, remarkable in every email newsletter that they can't find anywhere, any, anywhere else on the web. So but, that's so they'll actually open your email yeah. and then hopefully click, click through on something. So, Joe, like if uh, people are listening to this right live now and, you know, when we go publish it in, in, on the uh, Shopify and iTunes everywhere, right? they will hear this information but if they're listening you know i feel like what you just shared is such an important part that they should give some importance to it because just by adding that link in the email can give them so much more data that can help them right for their business that's right and it's just it's so interesting it's funny because i don't think we expected to talk about email so much but yeah (laughs) I, I'm, I'm amazed because when, when I'll do case studies, so we always look at the business models of different media companies. But if you look at uh, like a Financial Times, a New York Times, Washington Post, um, BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, really take some time and look at those business models. And you don't realize that the, everything is built upon their segmented email newsletters. So people will say, oh, New York Times made a great turnaround selling digital subscriptions. You know how they did that? Because they have more than 70 segmented email newsletters that go to different audiences. And then Mm. what they get, they get them to sign up for those segmented email newsletters, and then they upsell them to a digital subscription. That's their entire business model. 
Like people don't realize that. So what happened? And, and by the way, every content creator is going that way. You're seeing Instagrammers do the same thing. YouTubers, people on TikTok, they're all saying, oh, my God, what do I do? And they're going to the segmented email strategy. So and it's and Yes, it's just it's boggles my mind that we're talking about 20 plus year old technology. Yeah, but. But that's, you know, but again, you could, you, we could get on an, I could get on another rant and talk to you about, I think a huge opportunity is, is in print magazines right now, because, because it's so hard to break through the clutter on social media and online today. And there's no competition at the post today. Everyone gets mail today, but most of it's spam, direct mail. They yeah. don't want it. It's very easy to get attention. So what you're seeing is Walmart, Lego, uh, Amazon, they're spending way more money in 2021 than 2020 on their catalogs and magazines. Really? And, oh my God. Just wait till holiday time comes. Wait till you get your big print. Catalog that was like 1980s. Going back. And, and so why is that? It's just smart marketing. Why is that? You have a captive audience yeah. and you have no competition. It's like television was in the 70s. Hmm. Where you could That's you could buy point. a 30 second spot across. Yeah, you could buy a 30 second spot and you could get attention from all these people where well, you can do the same in print today. Now, granted, it's expensive to do something in print. So that's why if you can partner with a number of other creators, partner with a sponsor, like when we did our magazine back in 2011, we got six or seven sponsors to help pay for the production. And then we could get that magazine in front of we sent it to chief marketing officers. But so that's the type of thing to think of. And maybe that's a next step for a creator. But man, you're going to see companies launching magazines like crazy in the next two years. And people are going to say, what? This is this is nuts. There's was, just no competition there. They can was, get attention there. Yeah. yeah, I was just thinking that. Like if anybody's listening as an entrepreneur, they're saying, what, what kind of business do I do? You know, what do I do? I want to pivot. I want to try something. There you go. You know, start yeah. a magazine. You know, contact, uh, you know, people that you want to partner with and create something that can be tangible and be in front of them at all times. Like whenever we get a magazine at, at home or whatever, it's always sitting around on, on the table for like, mm -hmm. I don't know how long. It just sits around and finally we throw it away. But, you know, people, oh, you open it, right? You'll just see it. If the cover is good, you'll just open it and you'll check it. So mm -hmm. I can see how you can penetrate a market doing that. Well, I, it's funny because I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I had grew up with two boys and they loved Lego bricks and they got every month they got Lego magazine and they would wait till it came in the post. So these are, these are kids that grew up digitally native, you know, playing yeah. video games, the whole thing. And they would wait for that print publication. I remember they used to take it and they used to lay on the uh, living room floor and just go through it and flip through the cover to cover. Wow. And you know, know what would happen after that? They would ask us, hey, we got to buy yes. this new Lego thing. <laughs> we got to go buy th this new one. And by the way, Lego still produces. Lego started Brick Kicks magazine in 1987. And they still produce it today as Lego magazine. They've got multiple different magazines that they produce. So that's where a lot of people don't realize Amazon, same way, the most innovative companies in the world, Red Bull, Red Bull creates Red Bulletin, like 2 million subscribers to that magazine. Like a lot of people don't realize that the most innovative companies in the world have print magazines, but you awesome. don't see it because you, you don't see it on the newsstand. Yeah. You get it only because you subscribe to it. Yeah. And so you'll get it to your house. So just crazy. That's crazy. Amazing. So I wanted, I wanted to ask you the story, if you have a story between, 
you know, working or doing like the, the basically the transition into entrepreneurship. Is sure. there some kind of a story there? Well, so I've always wanted to start a business, but I, but I got my job in corporate environment. So in, mm -hmm. in business to business publishing and mm -hmm. basically hit the, it's probably 2005, 2006. I had all these ideas because the industry of content marketing was starting to boom. Google just, you know, Google was catching on fire. We started to see Facebook launch to the public and then Twitter launched in 06, 07. And I got this feeling. I was like, oh my God, so many of these companies out there are going to have to create their own amazing content and tell amazing stories or they're not going to get attention from anyone. They can't just advertise and interrupt their way to attention. So I started talking about this idea, which ultimately became Content Marketing Institute. I talked to my wife about it all the time, and this is the end of 2006. And she just finally said, Joe, either start the business or stop talking about it. Like make your decision. Cause I've yes. been talking about it for a year now. Mm -hmm. So this is the end of 2006. I said, okay, here's the promise I'll make with you. I will, I will leave the company that I'm at right now and start a business by the end of March, um, 2007. So that was my last day of work in corporate environment. April 1st was my first day, wow. you know, putting out my shingles, starting the business. And in preparation for that, we really changed a lot of things about our expenses. Uh, we didn't take, uh, you know, we took basically stay at home vacations. We ate a lot of, my wife calls it the bologna and ramen noodle years. We really cut our expenses down as much as possible because, you know, it's, we weren't making any money for the first two and a half years. So we really had to, to buckle down and do that. But, and, and by the way, probably felt like a failure for that two and a half years. Because yeah. basically you get up, and it's weird as an entrepreneur, and entrepreneurs will understand this. You have highs and lows. There's nothing in the middle. You either think this is the greatest thing in the yeah. world, or you think you're a complete failure. Yeah. And I thought I was. I I didn't think we were going to make it. And by Mindset the end of 2009, everything. yeah, by the end of 2009, I I didn't. We weren't making money yet. The model wasn't working. wasn't patient enough. I was going to give up. Go get a job. And then, but from that time and six months later, everything turned. And by Perfect. the beginning of 2010. Yeah, 2010, things are really working. And then the next year, we became a million-dollar company. And we made, I think, we made Inc. Uh, fastest growing business-to-business -business company in 2013 and 14. Beautiful. So, that I mean, but that's how fast it can turn. Yeah, so, that, that's the problem is you have to realize that the most important thing to be an entrepreneur is patience mm. and keeping low expectations at first. And know that you're in this for the three to five to seven-year game. And if you're expecting short-term success, I don't know that model. Like, I don't know how to do that. It takes, it takes a long time to build a loyal audience. But once that audience starts to know, like, and trust you, they will buy ultimately anything that you put in front of them. They really trust you. And then you recommend a product or service. Of course, hopefully you're doing it from your heart. You're not, mm -hmm. you're not trying to, to get rich quick. Yeah. you will be very, very successful. So as we started to build our audience, which ultimately by 2015, we had 250,000 on our email list, then anything we put out there that they, oh, online training, sure. Pay, you know, paid subscription, sure, we'll look at that. We got a new event on the West Coast, sure. Uh, Content Marketing World Sydney, you want to come try that? Sure. So those things started to work really well for us, but awesome. it, it starts with just building that audience and being really patient.
Yeah, no, it's great. Thank you for sharing that story. You know, at the end of the day, it it comes down to mindset and entrepreneurs go through it. I went through it. Everybody, you know, it's just a journey. The key component is the belief system we have inside, right? That belief system within us that we know we're going to achieve something and that will drive us. So we kind of have to become that goal before we can actualize it. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's great that you, you made it a success. We always like to ask our guests, you know, what's your inner superpower that got you to this point? What do you feel that is? Oh, geez. Um, well, some people would probably say writing because I'm I'm an okay writer. But the the probably You're a really the good writer. I don't know why you said okay. Or just being, <laughs> you're being well, the, so yeah, the, the seven books, I guess, are testament yeah. that I can at least I can at least write. We don't know if it's any good, but we, I can at least write. I think the thing that that I do in my daily habits that most people don't do, and it's worked really well, is is a goal setting plan. Mm-hmm. That so basically, and I've I've read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, Seven good. Habits, Stephen Covey, and I put I together every day. Yeah, sort of a formula. And my formula is I created six areas that I think could help me to be a complete person. So. Uh, what are my financial wealth goals? Uh, what are you know my career goals? What are my uh, family goals, spiritual goals, mental goals, philanthropic goals? So I have those and I and at all times I'll have two or three under each one that are measurable. So I want to say, okay, and by so so in 2007, I wrote down the goal of by 2015, I want to sell the company for at least 15 million dollars. I had that goal. I read that goal. Every morning yeah, when I woke up key. and every and then before I went to sleep every night, I read that Good. goal. Good. And so there's two things that happen. If you read it in the morning, yeah. you you get fixated on how what am I doing to get to that goal today? So it helps you like not to get into email or go down the social media rabbit hole. And then if you read that before you go to sleep at night, the brain does amazing things in its subconscious. And I really feel mm-hmm. like when I, when I read those at night, I wake up with all new kinds of crazy ideas or, or yes. things that maybe I didn't think of. Yes. And so the brain works through those things for mm-hmm. you during the night. Yes. And, and so that's probably the superpower is actually doing right. that, looking at the goal in the morning and the evening. And that has powered, uh, you know, what I want to do and what I want to do with my family and spiritually and mentally and, yes. and, and giving back and all those types of things. Beautiful. So important to give back. It's so amazing. It was a pleasure meeting you and having you on the show and this, I, this, rec- this um, recommendation you gave about, you know, writing your goal in the morning and evening. I'm a, I'm a big believer in it, you know, or reading it. Um, for me, I write it every morning, but. Great. Being aware of your goal every day is such a powerful thing for a human being. Um, Absolutely. It's great that you found the success and, and you're going further and further and serving people because I can see that mentality in you that you have that service um, and mentality where you're looking for ways to make it better for others. Success your way coming into your door is just going to be a default. So keep that up. You know what I mean? My my wishes, my hope, my prayers are with you. And I want you to grow as big as you possibly can. Just remember to remember us. <laughs> well, I am honored to chat with you today. That was super fun. I hope we, we gave uh, some insight to some people. Definitely about email. But, uh, oh, no, no, it was I, good. 
we had a lot really of jump, but honestly you're you know honestly you're probably right the most important thing of all the things we talked about is probably the goal the goal setting because yeah. where are you trying to yeah. what's your north star where are you yeah. where are you trying to go if you wake up every day that's and you're not sure source. where you're going and what you want to be it's very very difficult to 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 make an impact as a content creator as an entrepreneur Yes, great. Thank you, Joe. Have a great uh, day, the rest of the day. If anybody wants to get in touch with Joe, he's he's a nice guy, amazing guy. <laughs> Open door policy. Get in touch with him. And again, I wish you the best, and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was fun.